0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. It's interesting to consider the different frames of reference that people have. We just had a number of uh, college students now. Uh, They graduated high school this year. Now they're in college. And uh, this last week, about a week ago, we had uh, the last of our college students go off. And uh, Isaac is... uh, He's now at college, and uh, it's interesting to talk with uh, people from, you know, a, a younger generation and to talk with them, and uh, it's interesting because some of the things that, you know, I grew up with are so, you know, clear in my mind are things that they don't really, they, they didn't experience them, so they don't remember them the way that I remember them. Uh, so somebody like Isaac, you know, he's still a teenager, he doesn't remember September 11th. That was September 11th, 2001. That was 17 years ago. He doesn't, he doesn't remember that. I remember that. You remember exactly where you were, right, when you heard the news. You know, I think every single one of us. I remember distinctly exactly, you know, uh, I was on the uh, in Seattle, and I remember my mom waking me up, and I was kind of drowsy, and my mom said some things, and I, I heard it, and I said, that doesn't make any sense. And so I thought maybe I was kind of dreaming, maybe I misheard, and so, you know, honestly, I just went back to sleep. I, I remember all of those things, and, you know, I remember, a different world events, different events in, in our country, but, you know, there are different things that, that I don't uh, really have an experience of, you know, I don't, obviously, I don't remember the Vietnam War, and I don't remember the Korean War, I don't remember World War II, I wasn't alive for any of those things, and, you know, some of the younger ones, they don't know what it was like to not have high-speed internet everywhere that you go. Right? We remember, if you wanted to get online, you had to go to a computer, push the on button, you had to wait like five minutes for the computer to get on, and then you, you know, click some things, and then you heard that weird noise, and then, and then you would check your mail, you you've got mail, you know, and you would get the thing, and, and, you know, you would slowly click through, and if somebody attached a picture, it would take forever for that picture... To load, you know, I, I remember those things. But you know, kids today—they don't, you know—if if there's a five-second advertisement, they get impatient, right? Different people—they have different frames of references. But when we deals with the harvest, I think probably most of us, if not all of us, don't really have a good connection with the process of working on a farm. Has anybody lived and worked on a farm? One. Two. Anybody else? Okay, let me ask you this question. How many of you have a garden that you cultivate and you, every year you have a garden? How many of you at least have that? Nobody. (laughs) One. Okay, all right. One person. So this, when we talk about like sowing and reaping when we're talking about the, the whole process of growing plants and reaping the fruit, it's not something that we have some tangible experience with, right? We've maybe heard some stories about it, maybe we've seen something on TV or heard people talk about it, but it's, it's not something that we necessarily have you know, a great connection with. But the Bible talks a lot about this process of sowing and reaping, of harvesting and uh, and uh, being in touch with the land. And In Jesus' time, pretty much everybody would know about this process. Everybody would have a connection. Everybody would have had some experience with this. And so the, the illustrations that he used would have been very impactful because they had some close experience with it. But for some of us, maybe we're a little bit more detached. So I wanted to take this fall season to maybe look at this passage and some others dealing with the harvest and the harvest season and the process and we need to have a harvest mindset. Really that's the point of this. The point of it is that we need to have a harvest mindset. Living today for the harvest tomorrow. Really that's what the whole farming process is about, right? The whole goal of farming is to have a good harvest, right? And so we need to live our lives in mind thinking about the harvest that comes tomorrow. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 6. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through or steal. I want us to be mindful of the harvest time you ever see a team or a, an individual who wins the championship you ever see the joy on their faces when they win that championship you ever seen that you know the celebration the smiles the laughter you ever seen that and and a picture that that's the joy that comes from harvesting if you will of reaping all of the work that they have put in for their whole lives to get to that moment Right during the summertime, you know, the, as people are, you know, just taking vacations and enjoying themselves, professional athletes, what do they do? They're working out every single day. In the morning time, they get up early and they work out and they prepare their bodies and they recover and they eat certain foods and they stay away from certain foods and they stay on schedule and then they return in the afternoon and every day they're working and working while, while everybody's out and everybody's enjoying and everybody's, you know, having fun in the sun. They're working and they're laboring, and it's because of that labor that come June or come, you know, September or whatever the championship season is, when they, when they win the championship, they have so much joy because of the work that they put in, because of what they did in order to harvest a championship. And I want us to have that kind of a joy. God wants for us to have that kind of a joy. That's why he gives us these passages about the harvest, about sowing and reaping, so we can harvest in joy, so that we can reap with rejoicing. And Jesus gives us a parable this morning that I want to take a look at. Before we get into the passage itself, I want to make a few things clear, and and Jesus makes them clear. First of all, I want us to notice that the seed is the Word. In the illustration, there's a sower that's sowing the seed. God is the sower, and he's sowing the word. That's what you see in verse number 14. The sower soweth the word. Fruit comes from the word of God that is sown in our hearts. You ever go by an abandoned field and see all of the... The garbage that's sitting out in that field. You ever seen that? It's an abandoned field. Nobody's really doing anything with it. And you see all of the stuff that accumulates in that field. There's all sorts of things that can end up in a field, but it's only when seed is sown that anything will grow. And so we need to be careful to know what it is that is being sown in our lives. And I also see that the field is your heart. Verse number 15 makes it clear, And these are they which by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh the word that was sown in their hearts. That's why God tells us to guard our hearts, to keep our hearts with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Be careful what you allow to be sown in your hearts. Be careful what you allow into your life, into your eyes and into your ears because what gets sown in your hearts will eventually grow and you will harvest what is sown in your hearts. Thirdly, I also see that every soil type got God's Word. We see four soil types and every single one got a seed of God's Word. You know, every single one of us this morning... None of us can look at at God and say, God, you didn't give me what you gave to somebody else. Because every single one of us is getting God's word, amen? Every single one of us has access to the word of God. And so I see that every soil type got God's word. So, if everyone got the same seed, and there are four different soil types, and they resulted in four different kinds of yield... The difference between the four four soil types is their reaction to God's word. The difference between a field yielding nothing and a field yielding grapefruit is their reception and reaction to God's word. So how are you reacting to God's word this morning? What is your reaction to the preaching of God's word? What is your reaction to when you read God's Word? What is your reaction to when God's Word is presented to you? How is your reaction to God's Word? Because that is what is going to make the difference. Amen? Your reaction, your, rea- your individual reaction to God's Word is what is going to make the difference. Whether you will yield a harvest that brings rejoicing or whether you will have a harvest that produces weeping. And I want to take a look at these four soil types this morning. Number one, I see the fallow soil. I see the fallow soil. And we see it in verse number 15. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. The wayside soil is the soil that's been compacted down. You know, today we have John Deere tractors and equipment to do basically all of the work and so of course farmers they still need to get up early they still need to do all of the all of the things that farmers need to do but there's a lot of equipment back in Jesus' day they had none of that equipment you had to sow everything by hand you had to reap everything by hand. And so the farmers, they would have to literally walk through the entire field if they are going to sow the seed into the field. So you can imagine that there are these paths that the the farmer would walk on every single time that he would walk through the field to do whatever he needs to do. Maybe he needs to weed something. Maybe he needs to sow the seed. Maybe it's time for reaping. Uh, Whatever the case might be, there might be some paths and, and over time it would get compacted and it would get hard. So whenever the seed is sown, instead of sinking into the soil, it would just sit on top. Almost as if you were to sow some seed right onto this floor right here. It would just sit on top. It wouldn't sink down into the soil. And the wayside soil or the fallow soil is a soil that is a rejecting heart. It is a heart that doesn't receive God's word. The wayside soil is a soil that is lost and clearly lost. You ever witness to somebody and you give them the gospel and you tell them this is what the Bible says and, and, and uh, you know this is your sin, this is the wages of sin, this is why Jesus died on the cross. This is what you need to do, you need to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Maybe you're at a door, maybe you're talking with a friend, maybe you're even here in church witnessing to somebody who maybe raised their hand, and you, you give to them the gospel, and at the end, you, you ask them, are you ready to trust in Christ as your Savior, and they say no. You ever been there? It's a little disappointing, isn't it? It's a little bit sad. You want them to be saved. God wants them to be saved. They need to be saved, but they, they choose not to receive the Word. That's this fallow soil. It's a soil that says, I know what God's word says. I know what it says about me. I know what it says about my sin. I know what it says about heaven and hell. I know what it says, but I don't want to be saved. When they hear verses like Romans chapter 3, verse number 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. There might be somebody who would say, yeah, I know that that's what the Bible says, but I don't think I'm that bad of a person. I hear what the Bible says, but I don't think that that applies to me. I don't think that that's true. John chapter 14, verse number 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There might be an individual here who says, you know, I know that that's what the Bible says. I know that God says that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, but but I'm not ready to receive that yet. I'm not ready to accept that. I'm not ready to believe that yet. That's the fallow soil. Maybe you're here this morning and that's you. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that says, you know, I know what the Bible says, and I know that the Bible says I need to be saved, but I don't want to be saved, or I'm not ready to be saved, or I'm not sure if I want to be saved, or I'm not sure if I want to put my trust in Christ. If there's somebody here like that this morning, let me encourage you, open up your heart, receive God's word, trust in him, and you can be saved. You can have your sins to be forgiven. You don't have to stay as the fallow ground. You don't have to stay in this condition The wonderful thing about the four soil types is you don't have to stay there. You can be a different type. And you can trust in Christ as your Savior, and you can be saved, and you can reap this harvest that God wants for you to reap eventually. I see, first of all, that there is a fallow soil, but I also see, secondly, that there is a fraudulent soil. Verse number 16 says, And those are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. Who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So I, uh, when I was in the Seattle area growing up, uh, uh, we had an assistant pastor who came, and uh, he grew up in Yakima, Washington. And Yakima, Washington, uh, there's a lot of farming that goes on in that area. And he grew up on a farm. And, uh, you know, he would give different illustrations about living on a farm and things that he had to do. And uh, one of his jobs as a kid growing up on a farm was to pull the stones out of the field. It was his job every springtime before they started to, you know, sow the seed, is he would go through the whole field, and he'll have to pull out all of the rocks that were in the field every year. And there are these big piles of rocks at the edge of the field, and and uh, Pastor Chapel he grew up on a farm, and uh, spent some time on a farm, rather, and, and uh, he had seen the process of his grandfather being on a farm and collecting all of the rocks, and there'd be these huge piles at the edge of the field. And... And a a lot of fields would have these kinds of stones in them. And that's what Jesus is describing. And it's because of the rocks, there's a superficial reception of the word of God. The surface looks fine, but underneath the surface are rocks that prevent the soil or prevent the seed from producing fruit. This soil also represents somebody who is lost. The first soil type, the wayside soil, is somebody who is lost and lets you know that they're lost. Whether belligerently or reluctantly, I'm not ready to be saved yet, they're they're lost and they let you know that they're lost. Maybe they're just not ready yet. Maybe they, 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 they need some more time. This soil, though, looks like they've received the word but they also are not saved. And there's a difference here because one looks like that person is clearly lost. There's another soil type, though, that is also lost, but in the outside tries to look saved. And you can see the difference in the stony soil because if you look at verse number 16, verse number 17, it says... And have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. This kind of soil has no root within themselves. There's nothing on the inside. It's all on the outside. And there are individuals that are like that. I was like that. When I was a kid, I got a Bible from a pastor. We were moving away, and he was the the pastor of the church that we went to, and he gave to me a Bible, and he said, here, I want you to have this Bible, and so I took that Bible And I I took it with me. That was the Bible that I used. And I I went to the next church, and they had a Christian school that I was there for one or two years. And uh, so I was there in the school. And so, you know, I finished all my schoolwork, and I was kind of waiting for the session to finish. And so I just pulled out that Bible. And uh, there were verses that were written in there, directions to read this verse or that verse. And I would go through, and at the very end, I prayed a prayer. I said, I want to go to heaven. Who wants to go to hell? I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. So I just said these words, and I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to heaven. But I was never saved because I never repented of my sin. I never dealt or acknowledged my sin. I never acknowledged that I broke God's law. I never acknowledged that the wages of my sin is death. I never acknowledged those things. I never repented of them. And so therefore, I was never really saved. And for years and years and years, I tried to work it out. I tried to show everybody that, oh, this is what Christians do? All right, that's what I'm going to do. And so I'm going to go to church. And I went to church on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and a Wednesday night. I went soul winning on a Saturday morning. I was in the choir. I played the piano for the choir. And I participated in all sorts of events and activities and things like that. I went to Bible college before I got saved. There might be somebody here like Like me in this situation, that you have a testimony. At one time you prayed, but you were never saved. Jesus Christ never moved inside. The Holy Spirit never moved inside. You never had that transformation. If that's you this morning, it's time to stop playing the game. It's time to be saved. If there's somebody here this morning that says, I've been to church for the last 10 years, I've been to church for the last 20 years, I've been involved in the ministry, I've been a teacher. I've served, I've done all of these things, but if you've never been saved, you must be saved. Because you're still on your way to hell if you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior. You might come to church, you might have something that looks good on the outside, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside, you're not on your way to heaven. John chapter 15, verse number 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without having God as your Savior, you cannot bear the fruit that God wants for you to bear. There's a big difference between having something that looks like it's alive and really having some roots that are deep down within. You know, growing up, uh, I used to have to weed our lawn. And uh, weeding is is never that fun. But, you know, there would be dandelions that would grow in our our lawn. And so we would get these tools. My mom would say, here's a tool. Pull out all the dandelions. And she would make sure to tell me, you make sure you pull out all of the roots. Now, if there were little dandelions, that was easy. The roots were small, just pull it out, no big deal. If you have a big dandelion though, it means there's a big deep root, and you gotta dig down deep. And she made sure to tell me, don't just whack off the top, okay? You know, I could go out through the whole yard and just whack off all of the tops and say, I'm done. Walk back inside, but you know, If there's a root still in the ground, it's going to keep on growing. You know, but if I were to just whack off the top, take the top, and just stick it into the ground, you know what's going to happen? It's going to die. Why? Because there was no root on the inside. You need to have the root of Christ on the inside. You can fake it on the outside if you want, but faking it on the outside doesn't get you to heaven. And you know what? A Christian might go through some terrible tribulations and some terrible trials, but there's a Christ on the inside. You know, you can cut off the top, but you know what? It's going to keep on growing. You know, we had a tree in our yard, and uh, I don't remember the whole situation, but we wanted to cut it down. And uh, I think a neighbor of ours had a chainsaw, so he came over and he cut down the tree. He cut down the tree, and he left the stump there. And uh, as a kid, I was just like, oh, he cut off the tree, killed the tree. The next spring, though, you know what happened? This a stump. But out of the side of the stump began to grow something. A little stem. A little bit of the something. You know why? Because he cut off the top, but there are still roots down deep inside. You know, that's why the persecution, it doesn't stop a Christian. You know why? Because they may be able to cut off the tops, but they can't get to the roots that are on the inside. And the roots that are in the inside, they continue to grow and they continue to develop. And you need to have that root on the inside. First John chapter 2, verse number 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that they were not all of us. John here is speaking of a person, they were with us. We were together in this, but they didn't stay with us. Therefore, they proved that they were never of us. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who leaves a church, that means that they're lost. But time is often the test for whether somebody is saved. Let's be faithful. Thirdly, I see the faithless soil. Verse number eighteen says, "And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as heard the word, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it become unfruitful." If you're saved this morning, I trust that most of you are saved, if not all of you. I'm sure that there are some here that are lost. You have not yet trusted Christ as your savior. But if you're saved here this morning, we need to be careful of the thorns that can grow in our hearts and in our lives. Because thorns are notoriously difficult to get rid of. I was reading about something called the Canadian thistle. The Canadian thistle, is a, it's, a, it's a weed, obviously. And it's one of those weeds that is incredibly difficult to get rid of. And they say that it's incredibly difficult to get rid of because the root system can go down as far as 15 feet. You can't just till up the surface and get rid of this weed. You got to really spend a lot of time and a lot of effort. And we need to be careful of the thorns that get in our lives, because the longer we allow for it to stay in our hearts, the deeper it goes and the harder it is to get rid of. And it's also interesting to note that thorns are not innocuous. Thorns have an effect on the crop and on the yield. They say that if you have some Canadian thistle, it will possibly cut your yield in half. We need to pull out the thistles. We need to pull out the weeds in our hearts. And I want to see in Luke chapter 8, there's another uh, a passage that gives the same parable... In Luke chapter 8, verse number 14, it says it this way, And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they had heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. I read this story about a, a pilot. And uh, so I, I know we have a pilot here in this, uh, in this this in this church, and so I need to... I need to check with this pilot later. But I, I was reading this story, and uh, there was a story about a person who got his license and fairly new pilot and uh, not that familiar. But uh, apparently, uh, he, he went out and went out flying, and uh, it got cloudy. And so he was needing to land, obviously. And so he was coming in a little bit nervous, you know, new, newer, you know, just on his own and flying in. And, you know, he started to get a little bit panicky and, you know, a little bit worried and concerned and, and uh, not sure about, you know, what the control tower was telling him. And, and the voice over the, instru- over the radio just said, you obey the instructions, will take care of the obstructions. You just do what we say. We see what's going on. We know the land. We know where you are. You just do what we say and we'll bring you into land because living by sight is living based on what we see. But living by faith is living based on what God sees. You know, think about how much you see, you know, about how much that you understand. Living by sight is based on what you see and what you understand. And no matter how smart that you might be, God's smarter than you. You know, how. no matter how much that you might have seen and experienced in this world, God has seen more than you. And so living by faith is living based on what God sees and what God understands. And we need to pull out the thorn of faithlessness because I see that in Luke chapter 8, it tells us what the thorns will do. It'll bring no fruit to perfection. I see that faithlessness, it robs us of peace. It says that the thorns are the 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 plants are choked with cares of this life. God says to us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Somebody put it this way worry is merely unbelief parading in disguise. What does your anxiety do? It does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it does empty today of its strength. I read a poem. It says, i walked life's path with worry, disturbed and quite unblessed. Until I trusted Jesus, now faith has given rest. You know, not, not too long ago, there was a hurricane on the East Coast, right? Hurricane Florence. And over the past several years, we've heard about a number of big hurricanes that have hit, you know, the South and the Southeast, and Hurricane Florence, and hurricanes that have hit Florida and, and, and the Gulf Coast and things like that. And, and uh, you know, when a hurricane comes... A big hurricane comes. A lot of times the, 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 the governor or whoever is in charge of the county or the city or the state will tell people, you need to get out. You need to get out. It's too dangerous for you. You need to get out. But you know, God tells us about in Matthew chapter number 6, or Matthew chapter number 7, he tells us to build our house upon the rock. No matter what storms come, no matter what winds come, No matter what floods come, our house can stand. Because true peace is not running away whenever danger comes. True peace comes from standing where God tells you to stand and knowing that you'll be safe no matter what storm comes your way. Because you're going to face some storms and trials and difficulties in your life. True peace comes not from running away from every dangerous situation. True peace comes... When you can say, God, I know that you've told me to stand here. I know that you will protect me. And I can be safe no matter what storm comes my way. it Reminds me of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter number three. There's a big statue made. Everybody was told to bow. And these three men, they decided that they're not going to bow. And somebody said, hey, these three people are not bowing. They brought them before the king. And the king said, I heard that you guys didn't bow. And they said, yes, that's true. We didn't bow. He said, don't you know, if you don't bow, then I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. I'm going to kill you. This is their response. And they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. They're just saying, hey, we're not going to beat around the bush. We're going to get right to the point. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not... Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Do you see the peace in the hearts of these three men? They're facing a fiery furnace, and they say, we know that God's in control. We know that God's all-powerful. I know that my God's going to save me, but if not, just know we're not bowing anyway. What a wonderful peace that they had. The faith that they had in God. Faithlessness, it robs us of peace. Faithlessness is also relying on prosperity. The, the, the thorns that are mentioned here, they choke the seed, and they are they're choked with cares and riches. Because the danger of wealth is that we begin to trust in it instead of trusting in God. First Timothy chapter 6, verse number 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. And I also see that faithlessness is relishing in earthly, temporary pleasures. This thorns, they choke with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You know, I grew up reading uh, some books and stories, and uh, I remember reading some stories called Aesop's Fables. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Aesop's Fables, all right? Uh, probably the most famous, well-known of these fables is the, the tortoise and the hare, right? That's the most famous one, right? Slow and steady wins the race, right? You've all heard of the tortoise and the hare, right? We all know about that story, right? This is the same Aesop's Fable. There's another story about a grasshopper and an ant. I was reading it and it says in, one, in a field one summer's day a grasshopper was hopping about chirping and singing to his heart's content. A group of ants walked by grunting as they struggled to carry plump kernels of corn. Where are you going with those heavy things asked the grasshopper without stopping the first ant replied to our ant hill. This is a third kernel I've delivered today. Why not come with me and sing with me, teased the grasshopper, instead of working so hard. We are helping to store food for the winter, said the ant, and think you should do the same. Winter is far away, and it is a glorious day to play, sang the grasshopper. But the ants went on their way and continued their work. The weather soon turned cold. All the food lying on the field was covered with a thick white blanket of snow that even the grasshopper could not dig through, And soon the grasshopper found itself hungry. He staggered to the ant hill and saw them handing out corn from the stores that they had gathered in the summer. And he begged them for something to eat. What, cried the ants in surprise, haven't you stored away anything for the winter? What in the world were you doing all last summer? I didn't have time to store any food, complained the grasshopper. I was so busy playing music that before I knew, the summer was gone. You know, before you know it, summer will be gone. And what will you reap? You know, you might be able to enjoy the pleasures of this life, but eternity is coming. You know, you might be able to enjoy all of the things that are here in this world, but just know that after you die, the judgment will be coming. We need to think about the harvest. We need to think about the winter that is coming. First of all, we see the fallow soil. It's a soil that has rejected God's Word and maybe let you know. Maybe they've been mean about it, maybe they've been nice about it, but they made it clear, I'm not, I'm not saved, I'm not ready to be saved. There's another kind of soil, it's a fraudulent soil. There are rocks all in the soil. When the seed is planted, it looks good, it springs up right away because there's no root. But because there is no root, when difficulties arise, they fade away and they fall away because there is no root within themselves. There's nothing on the inside. They were never saved to begin with. If that's you this morning, you can be saved today. If you are the fallow soil, you can be saved today. But I think most of us would fall somewhere in this category of the faithless soil. We've got some thorns in our heart that we need to pull out. Lastly, though, I see the fruitful soil. This is the kind of soil that we need to be to be able to bear fruit. Mark chapter 4, verse number 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. You know, when you read that verse, and you read the list that's right there, love, joy, peace, those sound like some things that you want in your life, right? There are some things that I want in my life. There are some things that I think every believer, every individual wants in their life. But how do we get it? We get it by becoming good soil. How do we become good soil Christians? We need to, first of all, receive. Luke chapter 8, verse number 15. But on that good ground are they which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, having received the word. Now that I have a kid, it's interesting because I've been noticing other kids. And every kid has different tastes, right? They have different foods that they like, different foods that they don't like. And uh, if you leave a kid on his own and you just put a bunch of different things on the plate and you put it in front of the child and say, here, you can eat. You need to eat. You should eat all of that. What are they going to eat? They will eat the things that they like and leave the things that they don't like, right? You can have some rice, you can have some vegetables, you can have some bread, you can have some meat, you can have some fruit, you can have some different things, and uh, you can tell them to eat all of it. But they're not going to eat a little bit of, they eat what they like, right? If they like the fruit, they eat all the fruit and they leave everything else, right? If they like the meat, they'll eat the meat, they might eat the bread, but they're not touching anything else, right? And for us, the word of God is compared to food bread, is compared to water, is compared to food that we need to eat. You know, God can prepare the food and place it in front of you, but it's your job to receive it. It's your job to accept it. It's your job to take it in. Some people put it this way, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And we need to take it all in. You know, there's some great, wonderful, encouraging verses. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Man, that tastes good. Man, that's, that's awesome. I want to eat some more of that. You know, there's also verses, though, that say things like this. In me dwelleth no good thing that is in my flesh. Man, that doesn't taste so good. Man, I'd rather leave that on the plate. Hey, give me some more of that. God, you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Give me some more of that, for God so loved the world. God, give me some more of that. And God says, hey, I prepared a whole plate for you. We need to take it all in. You know, if we want to be good soil Christians, we've got to take it all in we got to receive it all in. And when we receive it all in, we also need to keep it in. That's what Luke chapter 8, verse number 15, having heard the word and keep it. Don't let God's word be in one ear and out the other. How many of you tr- have trouble remembering people's names? All right? Sometimes it's embarrassing, right? I have a hard time remembering people's names. Sometimes I will ask people for their name, and the moment they've told me the name, I've forgotten the name. I have to ask again, right? And it's a terrible habit. I need to, when I hear it, I need to keep it in here. And they say you keep it in there by repeating it, by saying it. Hi, what's your name? John. All right, nice to meet you, John. How are you, John? You know, you say the name, all right? Don't say it too often, but it gets awkward. But you say it over and over again. You hear it, and you apply it. You hear it, and you say it. You hear it, and you use it. A great way for you to make sure that you don't have it in one year and out the other is the word that you receive, you take it, you use it, and you apply it. Apply God's word to your heart. How many of us are guilty of we hear the word of God maybe on a Sunday, and by Sunday afternoon we can't remember what we've heard? Right? I've been there. I've been there where, you know, I heard the word in the morning time, and I cannot remember what was preached by the time the afternoon comes. I'll read my Bible in the morning, and I'll forget by the end of the day, what did I read this morning? I can't remember what I read this morning. Hey, write it down, maybe. Keep it with you. Meditate on it. Use it. If we're going to be a fruitful soil, we need to receive the word, and we need to keep the word. We need to apply the word. We also need to be regular in the word. Luke chapter 8, verse number 15 says, Having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. You know, there's something that's revolutionized my life and revolutionized the lives of many others. It's called Amazon Prime. How many of you have Amazon Prime this morning? All right, okay. I wanna know where all the lazy people are, <laughs> right? I'm one of those people. And uh, this week, I had a lot of things delivered in. Some of it was personal, some of it was for the church, and, and uh, Brother Robbie was complaining that there are these packages coming in every single day. He was like, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one. It's just so convenient, right? I don't need to get up. I don't need to drive to the store. I don't need to walk around. I don't need to wait in line. I don't need to drive back home. I can just sit on my computer or even on my phone and just go click, 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 click. Done. Two days later, it's there at my doorstep. It's an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. Except it's not possible in the spiritual world. Unfortunately, God doesn't offer Amazon Prime. There are no shortcuts in the spiritual life. There's no way for you to shortcut the growing process. We even see it with children. Boy, I would love it if my child would just be able to grow up and just be able to just drive herself around tomorrow. That would be nice. I don't have to drive you anywhere. You drive yourself. You feed yourself. You prepare your own food. You do everything. But there's no shortcutting it. It just takes time. That's why faithfulness is so important. You know, there are different fruits that you could plant today and basically get fruit tomorrow, get it next week, get it next month. But there are some fruits that don't appear for years. You know, you could plant an apple seed out here in this yard here, but you're not getting any fruit this year. And you're not getting any fruit next year. And you're not getting any fruit the year after that. But after a couple of years, you know what will happen? you'll start getting some fruit that nobody else could get unless they also were patient in it. You know, that's why we need to be faithful. That's why we need to be consistent. You know, there are some fruits that they don't appear tomorrow. You know, you can apply God's Word and receive some blessings today. There's a wonderful thing about God's Word. You can take God's Word, apply it to your life, and be blessed today. Amen? But there are some fruits that no matter how much you apply, they don't appear today. And they won't appear tomorrow. And they won't appear next year. They might not even appear 10 years from now. But if you're patient, and you endure, and you are faithful, you will reap the blessing. You know, we live in a microwave kind of a society, right? And microwaving food is quick and easy, right? But there are some foods that you just gotta let it simmer for a long, long time. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you can take some package, open it up, throw it in the microwave, and you can eat it. And it'll be fine. But there are some things you just gotta let it slow cook for a long time. You just gotta leave it in the barbecue, you know, barbecuer for a long time. You know, there's just no short cutting it. Sometimes it just takes a long time to reap certain kinds of fruit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 5 says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God says, I guarantee you, you take God's word, you apply it in your life, and you continue in it, I guarantee you that you will not be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How are you doing today? Today we looked at four soil types. Every single one of us in this room, we are one of these four soil types. You're either a fallow soil. You're not saved, and you know it. Or you're a fraudulent soil. Maybe you prayed a prayer. Maybe you said some things, but you never got saved. You don't have a root within you. You don't have Jesus Christ on the inside. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're a faithless or you're, you're struggling in your Christian walk in some area. There's some sin in your life. There's some thorns in your heart. We need to pull out those thorns. Or are we the fourth kind of soil? That we're the good soil. We've gotten saved. We've trusted in Christ as our Savior. We've received the word of the gospel. We've been pulling out the thorns and weeding out the sins and weeding out our flesh and weeding out our way. And we're reaping the harvest with joy. You know, I want to be that fourth one. I think every single one of us, we want want to be that fourth one. What do we need to do? If you're not saved today, you need to be saved. If you are saved, let's pull out those thorns so we can be the good soil and reap with joy.